Welcome to Decapod, where every week we look at pop culture across the decades, and we are currently trailblazing through the 1990s. And today we are looking at soap stars who became pop stars during the 1990s. And you'll be delighted to hear that it's not just me. I were, as always, joined by the ever-delightful, ever-wonderful superstar host of the show, Emma Morgan. How are we doing, Emma? I'm really, really good, thank you. How are you? Why are you really, really good? Oh, just a standard week for me, you know, just no biggies, just doing my day job, rocking it as a mum, being on national radio. Being on national radio? What was this? This is news to me. (laughs) I've not had this rubbed in at all. What what (laughs) happened here? Well, on Friday, I just got a call because I'm just kind of a spokesperson for single mums everywhere. And um, the Nikki Campbell show was doing a feature on dating as a single mum. Now, I don't know whether the listeners of Decapod are aware, but I am dating as a single mum or trying to date and therefore the spokesperson that the nation required in that moment. And, you know, the world needed a hero and I was ready to step up for five minutes. A couple of things. Um, <laughs> how did you find out that you were going to be on the Nikki Campbell show? Because they rang me. Okay, that's interesting. Also, um, (laughs) what season of Decapod will you be able to say that you have stopped dating? Never. It's never. um, I actually know that I think it's just me (laughs) kind of made that decision not to get too morose. Oh, can I talk about if we are on the subject of my my personal life? Can I just talk about a T-shirt I bought? It's, this is like, are you going to bring the T-shirt out as a visual reference? Because, no, I'm okay. not. Okay, right, go on then. So I bought a T-shirt, um, and it was from another TikTok creator, because um, I'm also on the TikTok, guys. But it's another TikTok creator, and he um, specialises, again, in dating over 40 and single parents. And he brought out this, like, clothing line. And I was like, oh, I'll get one of those. And the clothing line is designed to have stuff where you can show people you're single and that they could approach you to come and chat to you and uh, so I was like yeah I'll get one of those and I got this one and it says shoot your shot on it I was like yeah I love this and he's got like the guy's like a New Yorker so he's like you know shoot your shot like that and I was like yeah this will I will be so cool if I wear a top and I put it on and like the shoot your shot goes over my boobs and I'm just worried that there might be a different connotation to the phrase shoot your shot so, so maybe we could put that <laughs> so, someone to shoot their shot and that's over your boobs i think that's a tiktok <laughs> video in itself it well spoiler alert it, i have made a little video asking the, the tiktok world that i that i reside in what they think and it's 50 50 at the minute one person was like you're overthinking this and the other guy was like the last thing i was thinking about is she available <laughs> I think that the um, the issue there is that because it's 50-50, you are literally going to get 50, 50% of people that want to shoot the shot and 50% of people that want to shoot their shot. <laughs> and it's yeah. just filtering out which one you actually want. And if you've heard your Meat Market episode, then uh, I think we can take a half-decent guess. Um, oh, slightly various variation on that story. I'm not sure if she still listens, actually, but the wife. Um, well, <laughs> We'll find out. Oh. Yeah, we'll find out after this episode whether she still listens after this story or not. But either way, um, I bought her a t- She's got 
Uh, can I, put, I can't put this place. She got a decent sized chest, right? And I bought her a T-shirt that said "The World's Greatest Wife," and it stretches across her bosom, so it actually says "The World's Greatest Wife." It's like stretched <laughs> out massively, but um, yeah. Shoot your shot. There you go. Send let us know, listeners, when you write in to me. You know how would you interpret "shoot your shot"? Um, yeah. That was my week. How was your week? Um, there was no shot shooting. No. Um, not that I can recall. Any national radio? No, I had someone telling me repeatedly they've been on <laughs> national radio. I also had someone, uh, one, uh, those of you that don't know, I'm a driving instructor, and I had one of my students telling me how much uh, she adores Emma Morgan. No comment of me at all. <laughs> Just how much she adores Emma Morgan. Now she's a massive fan, and now she's hilarious. There's this well... seems to be a running theme of any reviews we get. <laughs> I just, my week, that's when it peaked. I think when you sent me that message, that's when my week officially peaked. So you've had people wanting to shoot their shot over you. You've been on Nikki Campbell's radio show, but the peak is knowing that you've got one over me. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, my, uh, it's not been the high, highest of weeks for me, and, and I had another dawning realisation of my age this week um, as, as I approach uh, my 40th birthday, my 40th year, in the... I decided to, I don't go on YouTube an awful lot, but I thought I'm going to just, while I'm doing something, I'm going to stick a playlist on, I'm going to find something, and I looked for the top 10 soap star pop stars. Mm-hmm. I did have one of the 90s, so I thought, right, I'll just see what's up there, and I can filter through, because some of us actually do research into this thing. Um, and two of the people that came up were Holly Valance and Jennifer Ellison. Now, these guys aren't from the 90s, admittedly, but I, shortly after, early 2000s. And the videos that they came out with in the early 2000s were, let's say, slightly raunchy. I think Jennifer Ellison on hers was crawling around on all fours in pretty much just a bikini, and Holly Valance had like a wet shirt on, that kind of stuff. And I'm thinking back to, to when they came out, and I would have been a similar age to those two, around about the 18 to 21 mark, I think, when they came out. So probably quite aroused by those videos. However, when I saw them on, on YouTube, my first reaction was, I bet they're cold. Oh, and I think, and I just had this realization that, yeah, I'm 40 this year. My yeah. brain has now gone to the health and welfare of, of these <laughs> young ladies rather than my health and welfare. But there you go. Um, yeah, so that's that. So, anyway, well, we may as well talk about what we're here to talk about, which is soap star pop stars from the 1990s. When I say soap star pop star to you, from the 1990s, what is the initial thought that comes into your head? Kylie. Obviously. Um, um, I could easily disagree and make a funny joke, but there's no point. It's just Kylie. Although I am gutted we won't be able to talk about a, one of her best albums, will we? Which is one of her best albums? That one she did in the 80s where she got the hat on. <laughs> that one where she's got the hat on. <laughs> I've been listening to that one today. Uh, no, we won't be able to to, to listen to that one uh, or talk about that one even. But no. Anyway, I'm going to start off by saying we did put a poll up in the Facebook group. It was one of our most popular polls, actually. Um, and put a, a list up of all the, not all, but a lot of the soap star pop stars from the 1990s. And uh, yeah, Kyla came out on top of that list as, as uh, the most popular the amusing one, not amusing, the intriguing one for me was second in that list was Adam Rickett. Oh, blimey. 
And then there were a few that got one. Natalie and Brulia, uh, the Woolpackers, got a couple of votes each. And a uh, uh, friend of the show and the splendid author of the um, show Nuggets, I'm going to call it, uh, Amanda Leek, uh, did throw up Delta Goodrum, but that was from the 2000s. Uh, but yeah, that was a, an interesting poll. Adam Rickett, second in that vote. I didn't see that coming. I didn't think he would be 90s over. Just. No, he's like 99. Obviously, yeah. I know this. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> he's late 90s. Yes. <laughs> Clearly. Anyway, let, let's let's dive in and let's start talking. Because the great thing that um, uh, this has given us the opportunity to do is talk a little bit about some of the people we may not have spoken about otherwise. Uh, and starting up, we may as well start off with the, the ever-splendid Kylie Minogue. So we'll keep it 90s predominantly, but just tell me your initial thoughts. How do you feel about Kylie? I think she's an absolute icon. Um, I absolutely adore her. I'd love to see her live. Um, I, I think she's up there with Madonna in terms of someone that's reinvented themselves. And when I kind of think about quintessential 90s Kylie, I think about when we have spoken about this, um, Confide in Me. And it's this thing of she just transformed from... Charlene basically she's kind of Charlene late 80s into early 90s when she's first doing that and like when she did confide in me it was almost like she was saying right I'm gonna I'm, I'm a grown-up now and I'm moving my music in a different direction but it's quite interesting then and then she almost kind of went all right here's my crown pop princess and that was it and everyone went yeah you absolutely are and then I think, like, when everybody really realised and caught up with everybody else, like me, that sort of just loved her, it was when she did Glastonbury. And, again, we're going out way out of the 90s, but she did that Legends slot, and she was, like, immense. She's just brilliant. And she's teeny tiny, teeny tiny Kylie, pop her in your pocket. Um, but she seems really nice as well and down to earth. And, yeah, I'm a fan. I think the thing we, you might mention Madonna there, and I think that Kylie, like you said, reinvented herself. It always felt like Madonna almost revolutionized herself every time. It was like, mm. right, we'll do these problems and then we'll completely change and do this. It never felt like Kylie completely changed. I think mm. that, you know, the king of pop, queen of pop, whatever you want to term her as, but she was the pop princess. And she stuck with that motif, even though it was pop change, she changed with it. And I think the other interesting thing, is like people with one name, so Madonna, Bjork, you know, these people that, that just go with one name. Well, Kylie has always gone by two, Kylie Minogue. But if you say to anyone, Kylie, you know immediately who you're referring to. Even though she goes by Kylie Minogue, you say Kylie, you know it's Kylie. There's no, oh, this Kylie, or that Kylie. No, it's just Kylie. And I don't think there's a more appropriate name for anyone than Kylie for Kylie. I think it suits her down to a T. And I'm sorry, I'm going to get slightly chauvinistic for a second. One of the most attractive people of all time, and I do not, cannot understand at all how she hasn't aged a day. It is beyond belief. Um, but, um, yeah. She's absolutely. not had any children. <laughs> yeah, that probably plays quite a big part. Yes. <laughs> Mental health, physical health, and children do not go well together. Never do not. There we go. People just be like Kylie, have no kids and you'll live forever. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, and just I don't know. Uh, she was uh, she left Neighbours, I think, in '89. So she left just before the '90s. But obviously, a lot of other big pop stuff come in the '90s. First, uh, the album she had her first album was in 1990, or the first album of the '90s was in 1990, "Rhythm of Love," which probably has my favorite Kylie song on. I mean, you know me, my favorite stuff changes from day to day. But uh, "Better the Devil," you know, was on the album. Better, you know. I thought press play on, <laughs> yeah. on Spotify then. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, yeah, we have Better the Devil, you know, Step Back Into Time, What Do I Have To Do, and Shocked. And uh, Better Never, you know, and Step Back In Time, I really enjoyed. Um, we won't speak too much about her neighbours career because that was back in the 80s. Um, but uh, the other album shout out, well, Let's Get Over It in 1991. Um, the, the song I like from that the best was Give Me Just A Little More Time. Oh, so I I really like that. She didn't want to do that song because she was convinced she couldn't do the, and I can't do it, but she was convinced she wouldn't be able to do the... <laughs> <laughs> be, be able to do the what? There's that bit where it's just to go... <laughs> like, I'm going to have to go back and listen to this song. <laughs> Because that, that didn't sound like a press play on Spotify. No. Um, but the other singles that came out from that were Word Is Out, uh, If You're With Me Now, and I've wrote this down, and I can't read my own writing. Finer Feeling, I'm guessing, Finer Feelings. Uh, she then released another album in 1994 um, entitled Kylie Minogue. And that was the title, <laughs> and that was called, that was by, uh, had confided in me, Put Yourself In My Place, and Where Is The Feeling? Um I think that was, out of all of them, possibly my... I don't want to say my least favourite Kylie album because I don't think I've got particularly a ranking of Kylie albums, but probably my least well-known Kylie album, the one I know the least about. And uh, Impossible Impossible Princess was 97 that had some kind of bliss, did it again, breathe, and cowboy style, <gasps> which I do not remember hearing cowboy style ever before, but I listened to it this week on, on Spotify. I'm like, wow, I really like this. Is Breathe's the one where she goes, come on and move with my day. Oh, no, that's slow. Oh. <laughs> it's going really well for me, this one is. <laughs> um, but but no, I was uh, I was a big fan of Kylie in so many ways. And uh, do you know what? She's a sort of person that just seems really, really lovely. Yeah, I think so. Whenever you see her on interview shows, she almost still seems quite meek. And I just remember there being this documentary and it was about everybody that um, had been un- um, under under contract with Pete Waterman. And obviously she she's one of his biggest success stories. But no, no confidence whatsoever and really worried. I think she kind of was aware of this whole people think I'm a bit of a joke because I've come from this soap. But I think she always genuinely believed in herself as a singer, but she just didn't have faith. Other people had faith in her. So I think she's worked really hard as well. I just I just have nothing but respect for her and I will have nothing... I'm very pleased to hear that you also are a fan because it would have fallen out if you had anything mean to say about Kylie. I, I don't understand how anyone could say anything mean about Kylie, but I, I agree with the hard-working thing. She had four albums out in a decade, 
And there's not a lot of people that have, a lot of artists have four original albums out in a decade. You know, quite a few artists will have album one, album two, and then greatest hits, which combines album one and two, which always annoys me. But um, but no, and I think I think the other thing with Kylie, just touching on what you were saying there, and again, just, just to clarify, I don't know Kylie personally, so this is purely an opinion based on seeing her from afar. Not that I'm stalking her, just from afar, like on Instagram or whatever. <laughs> um, but it, like, I think the 80s, she, I got the impression almost she wasn't overtly taking the pop career seriously. It was a bit like, oh, let's have some fun. In the 90s, she almost put the work in, but followed suit a little bit. You know, you look at these albums, these are a bit more generic. The, the, a lot of the songs, they're good songs, you know, they're just good pop songs, but I think that's good pop songs, but she earned a crust there a little bit, and then when she goes into the 2000s, that's where she then kind of takes off. This is the one where it's almost as if she's, like I said, signed up with Pete Waterman, it's like, okay, I need to do what these say because I don't believe yeah. in myself massively, and then proves to herself she can do it, or prove, feels like she's proved to others she can do it, and then goes, right, well, now I'm going to enjoy myself and do all this stuff because I've also earned millions. I can do exactly. what I want now which I think is a great a great place to be in. Um, a moment that has really uh, shot back in my head as well. So I used to, one of my favourite comic reliefs, I think it was for comic relief, it was a special anyway, and it was a special of men behaving badly. And obviously they had a lot of stuff where they used to go, Kylie, like that, they had lots of jokey things. And they did a comic relief special where she turns up and a car's broken down like that. And they don't realise it's Kylie and they just keep going, she Dutch, like they don't understand her accent and stuff like that. And um, that's really like that's worth looking up on YouTube. I love that where she turned up on them behaving badly. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. So you mentioned it, but yeah, I think that Gary and Tony in Memory of Empathy sum up how men feel about Kylie. Yeah, it's that constant ah, oh, Kylie, and it is that no one says Kylie negatively, no one can do that. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah, I've sort of like you said, I've, I've forgotten that, and that that's quite. I'm sure they say something about her go um, strong as an ox, but she could sing a little lullaby <laughs> to your baby <laughs> to get it to sleep. Um, yeah. So anyway, Kylie Minogue, probably the greatest superstar to come out of soap. Would you agree? Absolutely. Nineties aside, maybe aside from Shane Ritchie, you know, on a par with Shane. No, no, okay. not not as a pop star. <laughs> not as any kind of star I was doing a joke <laughs> I was like, a joke opposite ends of the spectrum Kylie oh. and Shane Ritchie. I thought you have been serious no no you know that I'm always deadly dead, oh, doing my joke wrong you know I'm always joking I never say anything serious about anything I mean including American Pie um, so yeah. if we've just discussed um, Kylie where do you think we might head next um, oh not Danny oh right okay <laughs> Daddy, <laughs> the enthusiasm, the enthusiasm there. What that didn't sound as enthusiastic as you'd about Kylie. Why not? I just think she's rubbish, and I don't understand why. So for me, I think she was on the lesser soap for starters. So I'm sorry. I I don't think Home and Away for me was as as good as Neighbours. So that. And it's a bit like, it just for me, just feels like I'm going to do what my big sister's done and I'm going to go and do it. And I don't get it. And she only had like two hits. And I, someone please explain to me why she's a judge 
on X Factor. I don't understand it. Like, if it was Kylie who was the judge, I would understand it. But where's all this success that Danny Minogue's apparently had that qualifies? And if I've missed something, if she's been a big-time producer, like Kathy Dennis, because I think Kathy Dennis has done a lot of producing. I know she's not a soap star, but... um, She'd be seen as a one-hit wonder, but went off and goes and writes songs for people. If I've missed that about Danny Minogue, I'm really sorry. I will say, I think the woman is stunning. She's at, like, and she's got this. Must be something in the genetics because when I do see her, I look at her and go, "You haven't aged. You look 22. How is this possible? You're about 10 years older than me, but you look like 15 years younger. This is not fair." So, and yeah, I think she's a all right person but is she kylie no she is not there we go i cannot believe that the direction this episode is taken is me sticking up for danny minogue <laughs> i didn't i didn't envisage this um at the start of the show and what i will say just just uh, want to touch back on a couple of things because you said about a success now clearly she is not as successful as kylie minogue they can't dispute that and i reckon that 99 of the population would agree that 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 Kylie's the better soap star, pop star, you know, whatever it is we're discussing as. Um, we don't know them as people, but, you know, Kylie would rank higher. She's had more success, blah, 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 blah. However, during the 90s, Danny Minogue did release three albums. She didn't have 14 singles come out during the 90s. And that's just during the 90s. I don't know about the 2000s and beyonds. Where did they chart? I mean, you're asking me questions I haven't wrote the answers down to. Okay. But- I, the, I don't think they were like abysmal. Uh, it wasn't. I don't think they're like. Look, no one has, no one has free albums out in the nineties when they're not getting success. Mm, I think maybe you got away with stuff like that a bit more in the nineties. I might be wrong. I, I mean, we've got some people to go through here that you'll see that <laughs> that you know they have that first album. People go, nope, no, thank you. People wanted more, Danny, and I, I think that. Uh, God, I do just want to touch on one other thing you said briefly because I, I think you were being a tiny bit harsh. And for me to say that is, I appreciate is a bit off script, but um, I think you're being a touch harsh and saying she just followed her sister. Yeah, that could have been her dream. It might have just been that Kylie got there first. We don't, we don't know, you know. Um, she may well follow the sister, but I, I, I don't know. I think that it could have been her dream as well. So I think you're being a touch harsh, potentially, potentially. Maybe I'm wrong. But uh, I, I would agree with that, that Home and Away always felt like a secondary soap to Neighbours. But I always preferred Home and Away. Yeah. Um, and I, I think I've said before, during the, the soap special, it's because it always looked warm. I think that had the biggest thing for me. But she played um, Emma Jackson. In Home and Away, and she was there from 89 to 90, so just just into the 90s. She was clearly there not as long as, as Kylie was, but uh, she was in Home and Away. So not only was her dream to be a pop star exactly the same as her sister's, but to start off in a soap and then become a pop star was also the same identical dream. Maybe it was Danny's dream to begin with and Kylie latched on and because she's older, she was able to get in front. Yeah, I think maybe we dropped this, otherwise it's... <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm I supposing... I just, I just think we're a little bit 
tiny bit harsh jumping, but either way. So yeah, the three albums shout out. Uh, I won't go, in fact, I'm going to test you and see if you know any of these songs. <laughs> Um, so, from her first album, which was Love and Kisses in 1991, you'll be surprised here. The first song was Love and Kisses. Don't know it. Don't know it. Success. No. Jump to the beat. That feels a bit more familiar. I know that. Come one, on yeah. and jump to the beat, Jen. Yeah. Baby Love. Unless, was it a cover? I don't know, because I immediately went to the, was it the Supremes that did it, yeah. or Diana Ross? Uh, I don't want to take this pain. <laughs> well, you have to, Terry. We have <laughs> yeah. to keep recording. No, no, that was the song, Emma. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that was from the, the album Love and Kisses 91. And then uh, Get Into You was a 93 album. Oh, wait, oh. <laughs> uh, shoot your shot. Um, that was a 93 album. And the first song was... Uh, Oh, I can't even remember I'm writing it. Show you the way to go. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Show you the way to go was the first song. Not to get into her. <laughs> I mean, possibly. I mean, that sounds more like a Lady Gaga song, potentially. Things were a bit more discreet back then. But I, I would imagine it had something to do with love. But, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> love on every corner. Oh, God. <laughs> this is it. This is the way. And... <laughs> I, I genuinely liked This Is It. <laughs> now, what's amusing me is that when I said at the start, show you the way to go, and you said get into her, the last song that came out from that album was Get Into You. So show you the way to go, get into you. Uh, the 97 album that came out was Girl, All I Want to Do, Everything I Wanted, Disremembrance, which I had a hell of a time reading, writing, and then saying... <laughs> Um, well done and I didn't get a chance I didn't go back and listen to this song and I wish I had because I've never heard it and it's called Coconut which is like the I list these songs and you've got Love and Kisses Baby Love Show the Way to Go Get Into You All I Want to Do and Coconut that's someone that is somebody I've got nothing left did she write much of her stuff I so when you say why was she a guest on the X Factor, I think a host, a, what do you call them, a judge? Yeah, I think you look at some of the judges that have been on some of this stuff, and you can see why she she, she was a a judge on there because they're not all top quality. Um, but she did have some success in her nineties. Uh, I think it's just not anywhere near as much success as Kyla did. And um, and when I say I'm defending Annie Minogue, I'm not defending her in the sense of I like her more than Kylie. I just don't dislike her as much as you do. I like that. You still don't want to upset Kylie. I always, I can't even remember at the time, because, you know, sort of this age, I was, what, 10 to 20 around that age in the 90s, uh, 8 to 18. Um, I would never almost, I always wondered about their relationship as sisters because I can remember one time, I think, seeing them on something like Live and Kicking or Going Live or something like that, but you never really saw them together. I can remember Danny being asked about Kylie and her kind of avoiding the question a little bit, and I think that was her being a bit like, I don't, I want to be this person, I don't want to sort of that, but you never really see them together. You know, even on the X Factor stuff, I think one time Kylie came on, but you would have expected her, if Danny was a judge, you would expect this to have been on every year, wouldn't you? And yeah, and actually that's fair play to Danny because I bet that I think they are on good terms. I don't think they're on bad terms or anything. And she probably could have like asked 
for that favour, like a bit more. But then you've got Simon Kyle, Simon Gowell, (laughs) who's wheeling Sunita out any chance he gets. And that always, (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why she on there. It's so weird. And really inappropriate, Louis Walsh. (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, no. He was such a feelings. Mm. And I know well, I could get away with putting my hand here, and then that's it. Yeah, worst Louis Walsh impression ever. Yeah. Also, mental note: stop doing fucking impressions of problematic people. Yes. Uh, all right. So, if we've covered Kylie and Danny, who might we be talking about next on my list? Jason. Jason. It's like we wrote this list together. Jason Donovan uh, was also in Neighbours, and uh, in the 1990s, oh, in fact, screw it. Tell me about Jason Donovan. Give me your thoughts here. You need to describe Jason Donovan in one word. Hunk. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's the clip we're using. Um, I wouldn't... I mean, look, I know you well enough to, to know now that I should have assumed you would have said that word. But I didn't <laughs> envisage hunk. I don't know. I don't know what I'd have thought you'd have said. Hunk. He's a good-looking bloke. He's one of my first crushes, so um, one of the many. (laughs) But I think I spoke about this before, and again, I won't labour on this, because, again, this is going to be 80s rather than 90s, I believe. But um, Scott and Charlene were one of those first-ever couples that I was severely invested in. And then it was – I found – I always still remember as a kid – the one of my favourite singles is especially for you. I think it's amazing. And it, in my little four or five-year-old head, Charlene or Kylie had come over to England. And then when they brought out Especially For You, it was like Scott had come to find her. And I couldn't quite piece it to quite together. So like I remember like really living that video. But yeah, everyone loved him. And then, you know, going on to being Joseph. But he actually... So he's not had the success of Kylie either, but he's had an amazing career in um, like the theatre and stuff like that because was Joseph. But then I think he did something like Priscilla, Queen of the Desert as well and things like that. And I think he might have done Rocky Horror. And so he's also really reinvented himself and carved out this amazing career, albeit in live theatre as opposed to um, pop. And so still have a lot of respect for Jason Donovan as well. The, oh, again, I know it's the 80s, uh, but especially for you is, my opinion, the greatest duet of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, the Jason Donovan, towards the end of the 90s, I, w- I was trying to dig this up and I cannot find the clip I'm about to mention or any of his stuff, but towards the end of the 90s, he went full-on mosher, full-on goth, headbanger did all that started doing all that kind of music and it was on the joe wiley show she used to do a channel for music show uh-huh. and she was on that he was on there and they were talking about kylie and i can remember him vividly saying that she's lost her way she'll huh. find a way she shouldn't be doing all this pop stuff this isn't who kylie is and this is while jason donovan is going completely uh goth essentially and i can remember being sort of fixated on that a little bit, thinking, well, what, what, what is she then? Is she going to go goth? Is she going to go metal? And um, and a few years later, Jason went back to his roots of pop mm. and all that side of it. And I just, I just wonder whether how much of that was true, whether that was just Jason, that he's, you know, taken this 
this detour and thinks, you know, just speaking freely, however, actually, maybe Kylie does have this this other side, but she's just realised she had a good thing with a pop and just went and followed that pop princess thing. I think that's absolutely true. And actually, um, we've not mentioned any of her boyfriends, but you think about it, she went out with Michael Hutchins um, from In Excess and she went out with somebody else as well. Like, she she went out with a few... I'm not saying Michael Hutchins was a bad boy, but he certainly wasn't Jason Donovan. He wasn't so a good I think boy. She, no, he was beautiful though. Um, but yeah, so I think she did have this sort of more rock, rock and roll side to her. But she, like you said, she's always maintained, I'm the pop princess to the public. Um, Jason Donovan in the 90s, uh, there were two albums. The first one was in 1990, which was Between the Lines. Uh, songs on that were When You Come Back to Me, Hang on to your love, another night, rhythm of the rain, and I'm doing fine. I think I about remember I'm doing fine, and that's it. Um, side note: If you ever ask a man how he's doing and he says he's doing fine, he's lying. Mm-hmm. Anyone that says they're fine or all right, ignore that. Push that question more. Um, but yeah, that was his album. He then had the greatest hits album. It's weird. I was trying to dig into this. Sort of a greatest hits album. Um, in that he split up from, I think it was the Pete Waterman uh, lit record label, and they split up from that, and he had this Greatest Hits album. But it wasn't supposed to be. He basically did a new album with new tracks, but the record label didn't like it. So they just added on some of his other songs, including, like, I forget what the songs were, but he added on some of his previous songs, and they apparently went a bit nuts, never released up from it and left. So I wonder if that's what sent him down that spiral of, right, let's get away from pop music or whatever, but... But, um, but yeah, that was Jason Donovan in the 90s. So three key figures there. And uh, we are next one that oh, I'm going to... Sorry, go on. I don't, that, we mustn't underplay Joseph. Like, that's huge. That was huge. Him being Joseph, that's huge show. Only to be taken over by Philip Schofield. Um, so I just don't want to underplay that because it's that... Yeah, he did, from a pop sense, he probably fizzled but it wasn't the last we ever heard of him. I don't know why. I did not think I would be sat defending Jason Donovan before we started this episode, but here we are. The difference is I'm not attacking Jason Donovan. Like You completely attacked and disintegrated, <laughs> decimated Danny Minogue. Any opportunity we had to get Danny Minogue on this show now was just gone. Oh, well. That's a, a Terry special episode. <laughs> Terry and Danny. There we go. I'd settle for that. Um, but no, you're right. I, I, I can remember uh, having, I don't know if it's an album or whatever. What was interesting when I go back through some of this stuff, I've not noticed it before. And I don't know what I had, why I hadn't noticed it before, but it was telling me what it was released on. It was all cassette. Oh. I was like, oh, cassette. I loved cassettes. Yeah, and I did. It was brilliant. You get to rewind stuff. I don't know why that was fun, but it was fun <laughs> rewinding stuff. And then if you put a bit of sellotape over it, then it would just became one that you could record over. I don't think I knew that. I think that's news to me. That's the illegal activity. Why would you record over the cassette? If you didn't want to listen to that one anymore, but you needed to record the charts, as I often did. Oh, I used to have loads of blank cassettes. I recorded everything. Um, but yeah, uh, that was a, it was a good song. It was a good musical. And I'd completely forgotten that Philip Schofield took over. Mm. And again, you wouldn't necessarily put them together. Jason Donovan stars in the, what's it called? Um, Joseph. Joseph, yeah. Joseph and the, is it Amazing? Called, dream called. Amazing. I want to say Technicolor, but it that's is. not right. It's it not te- is. 
technical. Amazing technical June coat. Oh, there you go. I know more than I thought on you, but you wouldn't have thought that Joseph would have, oh, fuck's sake, uh, Jason Donovan was starting that and then been taken over by Philip Schofield. There you go. My coat of many colours. So uh, we've spoke a lot about uh, different Australian pop stars there um, and the different songs, different albums of different careers. I don't think there's any one song from all those we've just speak about that stand out and go, this is fucking brilliant. I should be so lucky. That's not in the ones we've just um, mentioned because we're not talking. me. We're talk- Even that, I wouldn't say uh, it's not one that shouts out at me. Or controversially, I would maybe go, this is it. Oh, the Danny, the Danny Minogue one? Yeah, Danny track. Oh, that, that Danny Minogue that no one likes. Right, okay, cool. Um, but, however, the next person I'm going to mention, in my opinion does have the song that stands out and goes, this is awesome, which is uh, Craig McLaughlin and <laughs> Mona. Yes. And I, I remember how excited we were when we did 1990 that Mona had just slipped in because I was convinced it would be the 80s because he's like, the 80s here is a thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a phenomenal song. Yeah. Um, it was The album was called Craig McLaughlin and Check One Two. Oh. Which I presume it was his band, but that was what it called. Three songs, uh, Rock the Rock, Amanda, no idea what that is, and uh, Mona. <laughs> um, do Amanda and Mona know each other? Uh, maybe Amanda's the Mona. <laughs> but it wasn't spelt like that. No, but now you've spelt my joke. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, that's my thing. <laughs> We've established this, yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, we won't, we won't hang about on this too long because, again, it is very early in the 90s and um, uh, we did touch on this back on the episode a lot, but I think it's 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 interesting. I just found it interesting that the probably my favourite song out of all these soap stars is probably Mona. It's the guy that probably had... Of everyone, oh, there's one more I'm going to mention shortly, but of everyone that had the least successful sort of mm-hmm. pop career. Um, I thought we were going to get in Stefan Dennis, uh, but he was um, just slightly before that, I think. I remember it was just before or just after the 90s when he, he brought his out. So we can't mention that, but I'll mention it anyway. However, we then bring in uh, the next one, and this one is Natalie Ambrulia. Uh-huh. And we've spoken a little bit about Natalie Ambrulia already. Uh, her album that she brought out in was in 1997, and that was Left of the Middle, and we had Torn, Big Mistake, Wishing I Was There, and Smoke released from that. Would you agree with me if I said that's the best album of all the Australian soap albums from the 1990s? I don't know if I would say best album, but I would say most credible as an artist, as an artist in her own right, genuine talent, yes. What? Well, what I found most interesting about this, and I, I even seem to remember thinking somewhat along these lines at the time, but it really sprung up to me when I was noting this down, was Kylie brought her album out when the first album when she was still in Neighbours. And it was sort of a riding on the coattails of that success. You know, she was the big star in Neighbours, as was Jason Donovan, and he did the same thing. Danny Minogue, as much as I maybe disagree with you slightly and not necessarily thinking she maybe 
intentionally that she did get to ride Kylie's talks a little bit. You know, if your sister is kind of an oak, you're going to get doors open that other people don't. So she did get to do that a little bit. Um, and again, th- those albums came out immediately following at the Home and Away. And you won't see me doing this, people, but inverted commas, um, success. Um, <laughs> Craig McLaughlin's album came out. I don't know if it was the same time he was in Neighbours or like immediately after. All that kind of stuff. However, Natalie and Brulia left in 94. And her album came out in 97. Mm. I think there was like a three and a half year gap there. And it's like, it wasn't falling on from the success. I can remember it being surprised. Thinking, oh, she were in Neighbours, that Beth lass. And it was, I don't know if that was intentional or what, but I think that ties into a bit of the sort of the credibility you were saying. There was no riding on the success of her uh, Neighbours success. It was, And she wasn't even that big in Neighbours. She was a character. She wasn't a star. And it was just like, all of a sudden, wow, this is like a different type of soap star, pop star music. But I think that is because it was becoming cringe. By the time she wanted to do it, it was that thing of, well, you've got two options. You can either go down that route and it is a little bit cringe now, or you're going to have to reinvent yourself a bit. And I think that's why she chopped her hair off. She had that super cool hair. When she um, when she had that album out, um, so I I think there's something around a bit of awareness because obviously Britpop's landed, so the world's gone a little bit cool yeah. from Kylie to Natalie, I think as well. So slightly different world that she had to inhabit, and she fitted in really well actually. If you think about that post Britpop '97 and that kind of All Saints era sort of coming in as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, even after that, I know we're talking 90s, but she released some brilliant albums after that, which I'd kind of forgotten. I know we touched on Torn before, and I kind of glossed over other stuff, and it's because I'd forgotten it, but I'd been mm. listening to some of it back this week. It's like, oh, there's some really good stuff here. Um, and I, I'm, I say this every time, but I massively get mixed up with the 90s and 2000s in my memory. I, I really do. And I thought she had more stuff in the 90s, and it's, mm. it seems to be a lot of it in the 2000s. Um, the, the last one I'm going to mention to you, I'm going to say these names. If I said to you, Gail and Gillian Blakeney. Yeah, twins. Yeah. One single in 1991, all mixed up. Mm-hmm. I did not know this. I I vaguely I vaguely recall that they, they had a little hit. And I wonder if that is because Stefan Dennis had kind of like that linkage there. I... What I think is, is there's this well-known thing that Neighbours and Home and Away, they're not as popular in Australia as they are over in the UK. And I think it is this thing of the way to make as much money as possible is you go over there and you release some songs. And it's that kind of, you get on the show, you go and have a little bit of a pop career and then you do whatever you do after that. Yeah. And... I would agree. I do not remember this song at all. It just come up while I was looking into it. It's like, oh, I don't know this. I didn't know who they were at first. I didn't recognise the name, but then when it's come up with the the Alessi Alessi twins, yeah, um, Christian Christian Caroline, yeah, like oh, I know them. I didn't know they'd done a song, so that was interesting. So that that's kind of unless I've missed one that I'll come back to later, which there's always a chance with me and my notes. But that's kind of the the, the soap stars, uh, the, the Australian soaps for the nineties. Anything you want to add into that? Any final thoughts on on the Australian side of it? No, very comprehensive. Very well done. 
I think that, um, I don't know, I always prefer, I think I've said this a few times, I always prefer the foreign stuff. So whether it's Australian, American or whatever, because I always find that when it's in the UK, it's like, well, that's just there. I could go and do that. And I think I get that more with the Australian music mm. as well. It's it's always a bit exotic, and uh, <laughs> and I quite like that. Yeah. But anyway, um, before we move on to the, uh, the the British side of it and see if we can match the dizzying heights of the Alessi twins and uh, Craig McLaughlin, <laughs> um, do you want to tell people where they can find us? Yeah. So if you want to. Um... You want to get more decapod goodness in your life um so if you just want to listen to the show just look at anywhere that you get your podcast because we will shoot up anywhere on that if you want some interaction want to get a bit closer to us because why wouldn't you i mean terry likes to distance himself from me outside of recording episodes i'm not gonna lie but if you did want to get closer to us we've got a facebook group come in that we often pop we often bob our heads in there and have a little chat with people we've also got a page which keeps you up to date on the episodes that are coming out and I'm here that we're getting some Twitter, twittering happening as well. Oh, and I pop a few clips on TikTok at Decapod TV. So search for Decapod um, on Facebook and you'll find us Decapod TV on TikTok and something to do with Decapod on Twitter. Actually, a really good promotion. Well done. But uh, I am going to touch back on one thing. 45 <laughs> minutes into an episode, 45 minutes, and you're telling people where to find us if they want to listen to us. You asked me to. I think, yeah, but where can they find us on the socials? If they're they're listening to us 45 (laughs) minutes into an episode, I think they've found us. I'm not doing it again then. (laughs) No, this is my weekly fun. This is is my highlight, watching you squirm when I say tell people where they can find us. And if they want even more Decapod goodness, what else have we got to offer? Well, they should get onto Patreon and pop Decapod into the search title there. And there they can get exclusive content uh, they can get episodes that we don't put out into the public domain because they're just too risky in particular me where i talk about my top 10 men that are celebrities who i'd rather like to get sexual with so we have that <laughs> i wish i'd use that title um, but if that if that feels a bit creepy we do do some nice stuff as well so we talk about friends <laughs> season by season of that that's coming in the 90s and if you sign up you get to come and have your own episode with us and do your own top 10 i'm not gonna lie when you sign up i will try and encourage you to also have a top 10 of men terry will then gently go you really don't have to don't listen to her but yeah you can come on have an episode with us terry's very lovely to people i'm quite bitter i don't know i think there's a few Top tens people could put out there where I could see myself getting bitter, but we'll <laughs> we'll let them discover that. Uh, you're getting good at this. <laughs> I've just been listening to you. I can uh, I can take a step back and let you take over the uh, the mid episode promotional shizzle. Yeah. Um, no, that's good. Yeah, check out Patreon. Loads of good stuff over there. That's all you're getting from me today. Um, so if we move on to the British stuff, uh, I am going to start off by saying the words Martin McCutcheon. Oh, wow. Okay. I wasn't, ex- oh, of course it would be. I wasn't expecting her to crop up in the 90s. Um, yeah. Give it, give her her moment then. Um, unfortunately, I haven't wrote down the year of the album, which is slightly annoying, but uh, she was in EastEnders through the 90s and she released the, her album during the 90s, which is called You, Me and Us. And the songs were Perfect Moments. Uh, speaking of giving her her moments, the Perfect Moments. Yes. 
taking in or talking in your sleep. Love me. I'm over you. And on the radio. Ah, oh, like on the radio. Yep. No, was that it? Was that her? Yep. I feel like that was Kylie. No, that was her. Oh, wow. It was a cover. I believe it was a cover, but it was her. Oh. Well, I mean, I... I've got a lot of time for Martina Kitchen. Why? I just think I really, so I really like EastEnders. Um, 90s to the early 2000s, I re- really, really liked watching EastEnders. Really liked it. Really liked her character as tip. I like any character where they, I think I said this in the Australian sites, I like it where they come in as a bit of a dick and then they kind of soften that character and they just kind of peel away layers. I love stuff like that. And that's one of the reasons I used to really like soaps is they have this time to develop characters and that whole thing about she's so in love with Grant like that and um, that whole like sort of almost love triangle that they've got going on. He just didn't love her as much as he loved Sharon and like that heartbreaking thing um, to how she sort of exited the soap. And I, I actually think she was a really good, you know, she was a good singer. Was it like Christmas Day or something like that where she died? Yeah, it was oh, when... Sorry, I'm just going to drop spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany dies in EastEnders. Yeah, run over by Frank, I think. Um, Is it Frank? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think that's when EastEnders... It's from that den, Happy Christmas End. Yeah. <laughs> they started doing these Christmas Day episodes. And yeah, I think if it wasn't Christmas Day, it would have been New Year's. We... May not get another opportunity to speak about it. So I just want to touch briefly on um, Ross Kemp and Grant <laughs> Mitchell. And the first question I'm going to ask is, would it be on your list? Nope. Okay, well, that surprises I'd me say, slightly. Um, maybe like the body-wise, but I don't think he's got a very nice face at all. But also, like, if you were ever watched the series Extras, there is one where there's an episode in it and when Ricky Gervais does that thing goes he just looks like Zippy from Rainbow and starts <laughs> narrating going down Jeffrey I can never unsee that and that's all I ever think about is Zippy when I see him but no he would not be on the list okay I, I loved Grant Mitchell I thought he was a brilliant character and again I'm just touching on this because we may not ever speak of him again but I love Grant Mitchell I thought he was a brilliant character and um, I actually su- surprised by how good an actor and presenter and person Ross Kemp is. Another person doesn't seem to age very much. And mm. like I say, even in that extras episode, which actually I might get back to because I'll be too far away. But anyway, in the, the extras episode, he was brilliant in that. You know, yeah. I loved all the people in that that were just willing to take the piss out of themselves. I thought it was yeah. brilliant. Anyway, uh, slight detail there. Martin McCutcheon, yeah, I, I was very much like you in the... I suppose all throughout the 90s, I loved all the soaps. I love the Australian ones. I love the, the British ones. And um, Martin McCutcheon was superb as Tiffany. Not necessarily one of my favourite characters, but she, brilliant actress. Uh, I know she went into one of your sort of more favourite films in Love Actually as well, which I think was 90s as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it no. was. Was it not? No. Okay, we can't talk about that. But uh, she sort of had some some good success there. Um, I remember the, the song Perfect Moment. I was listening to the Chris Moyle show on the radio and he sort of says, I'm going to play a song and I'm not going to tell you who it's by. I want you to guess who it's by. And he played the perfect moment and he had like the, the comedy Dave and all the others that were in the, the, the room at the time on the show. And no one were guessing. I can remember the only kind of guess I could come up with at the time was Louise 
nerding as it would have been because I felt that felt like the sort of song she mm. would do and it's similar sort of voice. I can remember he said Martin McCutcheon. Oh, no way. That's awesome. And yeah. I was super excited thinking she's going to go on to some big stuff. Unfortunately, yeah. it never really happened, which surprised me because, and, you know, when you look at the way the industry is, good-looking lass, very pleasant, very personable, happy to promote herself, and a really good singing voice. You would think she kind of ticks them boxes, so I was yeah. surprised that, and she went, I know, Obviously not the nineties, but she went on to to be have a, a prominent part in quite a big film. And you think, I wonder why nothing ever mm. went beyond that. And I think now when she's doing like acting mal adverts or something, that's not meant as a criticism, but she seems she's just doing the adverts. I think I would have expected her to have had this mm. stellar career, and I'm always surprised she didn't. Yeah, no, same. I think particularly as well when she when she appeared in The Bachelor, I thought, oh, that's her off to Hollywood. I kind of saw as very. I saw her going as big as um, Catherine Zeta Jones. That's where, like, the level that she would be buried in Hollywood forever. But you never know; she might still. Yeah. However, um, Martin McCutcheon wasn't the only EastEnder to have impressive success, because we also had Michelle Gale. Oh yeah, so I loved I loved Michelle Gale as well because I loved Hattie. I thought she was a brilliant character, um, and yes, yeah, Sweetness is it's a brilliant song. I remember it's on my Smash Hits '94. Yep, um, that's a song weirdly that I often find myself just singing randomly. Mm-hmm. I think it's got one of them tunes, but that was from her first album, uh, which was called Michelle Gale. I don't know why, but it bothers me when people call their album their own name. It's like, just, just think of something clever. Anyway, uh, that was in 94, which had Sweetness, Looking Up, I'll Find You, Freedom, and Happy Just To Be With You. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she had another album called Sensational, which had the song Sensational and Do You Know. Uh, but yeah, Michelle Gale, I think um, a little bit underrated again. And I don't remember necessarily thinking at the time, but looking back now, I'm surprised she didn't have yeah. more success because we're... <laughs> It sounds silly when I say this, but there's no reason why they shouldn't. You know, there's some people I'm going to mention further down that you'll be like, <laughs> how, yeah, how did that, that happen? <laughs> but like with these two in particular, Martin McCutcheon and Michelle Gale, I'm a bit like, why did it stop? And again, it could well be their own choice. Maybe they decided, I don't want to do this anymore. Maybe I want to go start a family. Maybe I want to do some stuff behind the scenes. I don't know what they've been doing behind the scenes. You know, maybe I'm being a little bit unfair. But I am genuinely surprised as it like Martin McCutcheon in particular, but also Michelle Gale, it just ended. Does surprise me. I pretty sure I remember Michelle Gale but almost being pushed forward as our potential Whitney. I don't recall that, but I can see that. Yeah. Mm, see like that kind of diva level singer. Yep. Um I'm going to mention another Eastender who wasn't just another Eastender, also a Grange Hill star. Sean Maguire. Oh. Yeah. Now, I'm going to say this because this touches back on something that I said earlier that really, really, really annoys me. Album 194, album 296, greatest help, greatest hits 97. Mm. That really annoys me. Anyway, um, his first album, touching back on what I said before, was called Sean Maguire in 1994. <laughs> um, yeah. Someone to love take this time and suddenly 
gonna have to start typing these notes on computer, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then 96 was Spirit, which is now I found you. You to me are everything, which is a cover of one of my favorite songs, and he actually did it quite well. Um, good day, and don't pull your love. And then, as I say, 97 was the greatest hit. So just take them to albums, combine them together, and go, here's my best hits. Mm-hmm. It's like us recording two episodes of Decapod and then saying, here's the greatest hits. Do you have any thoughts on Sean Maguire? I just think he's a bit weaselly. I didn't like his character in EastEnders. Uh, didn't really care that he was releasing music. What I care more about is that he turned up uh, really recently and he's one of the voices on one of the Forza games. Oh. Okay, that's more Uh, impressive to me. I have nothing to say about Sean Maguire other than the fact that I'm annoyed that another person's album is named after themselves, and also the fact they had a greatest hits after two albums. Um, I wonder if they do it because they they think they've got. I don't mean this derogatory, but they think they've got a name. So the name on the album would actually sell it. But and again, you could put your name on your album anyway. (laughs) Yeah. Either way, now. I'm a little bit cheeky with this next one. A little bit cheeky with this next one because his proper hit was in the 2000s. However, I get to sneak him in, Sido in. His song, Good Thing Going, was, I believe, I think it was like 2000 or 2001. So we cannot discuss one of the greatest songs of all time, Good Thing Going. However, (laughs) in 1995, he released a song with none other than Patsy Palmer. Um, called Better Believe It, which was Children in Need special in 1995. Aww, I like that it's for charity. I wonder if they were almost doing a take on um, Kylie and Jason with that. Possibly. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I'm glad I managed to get Sneak Sid Owen in there. Um, <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> sneak Sid Owen in there. <laughs> sneak Sid Owen in there. He's very little. Shoot your shot. That's what she said. <laughs> Shoot your shot. Um, okay. Anyway, that's EastEnders. Um, unless I've missed someone. Was As always. Nick Berry. Was he 80s? Um, no, I have got him, but I've got him down a little bit. Have you got him for heartbeat? Well, I've got him as a combination of heartbeat and, and EastEnders. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's just further on my list. There's there's a chance there's another neighbours one at my list yet that I've forgotten. Someone I've had to add back on. Um, but let's move on to the uh, other British shops. So we've had the, the, the Cockney standards, and we're off to the northern ones now. So Coronation Street, Adam Rickett. Yeah. I know for definite I would roll my eyes at this because I was full. He must be about 97, 98 as well, and I would have been in full Brit pop. I ugh, don't want anything to do with him. I can remember being really, really surprised by this um, because I actually liked the song, his first song, Breathe Again, because um, it was very dancey and I was a bit more into dance sort of stuff at this time, I think. And I was like, I didn't I didn't like his character on, on Courage. I think it was Nick, uh, Nick Tilsley. I didn't like him. I thought it was a bit smarmy. And I think I was, you know, sometimes when you get the impression it's not just the character, it's the actor that's a bit smarmy. Well, he would have replaced this Cora. Like EastEnders did it a little bit, but Cora, Cora, Corey, he replaced the original actor for him. And I always hated it when they did that because they wanted it to be more sexy, didn't they? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, was, I can remember thinking, oh, I don't particularly like this guy, a bit smart. And then he brings this song out and it's like, 
I actually quite like this, but I've also got to sit there and look at him six pack while he's on this big glass tube thing. And it's like, oh, it's just a bit unpleasant to look at. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's someone's cup of tea, but it, it wasn't mine. But I did really like the song. His album was called Good Times and it was in 1999. I breathe I... again. Sorry, go on. No, sorry. It was going to be off on a tangent. Okay. Uh, breathe again. Everything my heart desires and the best thing. Uh, it, it, it was surprising. I, I kind of touched on at the start of the show, but he was um, sort of up there. It was Kylie and then Adam Ricketts. And it's like, maybe it's just the six pack. Because a six pack go, to be fair to the kid, it was a pretty impressive six pack. It, it, well, it just doesn't do it for me. No. But if you're assembling, <laughs> if you're comparing it, if you're judging it on six packs, not how yeah. much you like six packs, but everything comes down to how much you like. Why? <laughs> because it doesn't. It just doesn't. <laughs> I don't know if that why was intended to be heard, but it just doesn't. And in, in, in the quality of six pack, it was quite impressive. You could have used that as a chopping board. One of the best things you've ever said. It's actually quite sad. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the best things I've ever said. I've had some epic rants on here. Yeah. I've had epic rants, epic monologues. Really, at times, I've listened back and thought, That's really insightful, Tay. Well done. But no, the best thing I've ever said is comparing Adam Ricketts' stomach to a chopping board. Awesome. Anyway, continuing on the Corey motif, Tracy Shaw, who played Maxine in Corey. Oh, yeah. Never had an album, but she had two singles, uh, 98 and 99, Riding High and Happening All Over Again. Yeah, again, I vaguely remember them, but I would have sneered. Um, again, I'd, I'm being very careful with what I say about some of these people when I talk about the success of that, because I appreciate, A, I've never been an actor in a soap, so I they've had more success in that than I have. Also, we don't know why. So I know yeah. that Tracy Shaw reading about uh, went off and did a lot of theatre work. I can actually remember quite a sad story. Uh, and it, it kind of, it it set my tone for newspapers quite early because it was when she left EastEnders, I think, not EastEnders, sorry, Corey. I don't know if she was struggling for work, like um, mm. uh, acting work initially or, or whatever, but she did some sort of a, a charity opening somewhere, you know, like open a mm. supermarket or something like that. And there were some new papers there, and I can remember reading that icon it, and they were just ripping into her. So, like, former star reduced to this, it were that sort of thing. And I think that's horrible. Mm. It's just doing a job that I can remember that's that set the tone of newspapers for me or uh, tabloids. And um, but she's done a lot of theatre, she's got a lot of panto, she's got kids, you know. So it sounds like yeah. she's everything's turned out all right. But I, I, do you know what? I hate stuff like that, and I can't. That's why I'm treading carefully what I say because I don't want to be that person. We <laughs> don't want to be me. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, you know, radio superstar, best friends with Nikki Campbell. Shout out to Nikki yeah. Campbell if you're listening. Yeah, thanks for saying I was fantastic. Yep, that got shared pretty quickly. <laughs> Like immediately. <laughs> Look what I've just found, Terry. Read this. I was waiting for you to get really annoyed at me because I had to do like some proper research to get onto this. I was like, it obviously wasn't tagged in any of this. I was like, I bet you were like, oh, you can find you can find tweets now. Hold on. You had to do proper research. <laughs> so you're capable, just to clarify, <laughs> capable. Of doing proper research. 
Well, you kept that quiet. Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I don't want to be that guy because I think that guy's a dick. But I am intrigued with... Nah, you're not that guy. I am intrigued by um, mm. what happened. And like I say, in particular, not so much Tracy Shaw, but like Martin McCutcheon's a big one. Uh, the other one I'm going to mention, so this is staying north, but coming away from Corrie and moving over to the, the great... County of Yorkshire. Uh, and Melanja Burroughs, who played Kathy Glover in Emmerdale, again, never had an album, uh, but released four singles. And I actually dug into this slightly, although I've forgotten to write the bloody numbers down. Uh, but the four singles in 1990, Just This Side of Love, 96, uh, Summer Night Love, 97, Carnival in Heaven, and uh, Don't Leave Me in 98. Okay. I think it was Summer Night Love got to number 11. Right. And you would think that if um, I don't know, a soap star released a song that went to number 11, you'd think they'd follow that up with something. Because, mm. you, you you know, capitalising that, especially around about the 95, 96 period, where these kind of, I don't know, maybe that's the Britpop times, so maybe why they didn't. But again, why would they release it in the first place? I wonder if some of it's to do with the drama school they're at. And obviously, if they're at drama school, they'll do acting, singing and dancing, won't they? And maybe they just get put forward for a lot of stuff. And maybe for some of them, it just all a couple of them land and they yeah. kind of have to fulfill contracts or something. Yeah, maybe. Or it could just be, do you want to sing a song? That mm. sounds fun. Yeah. Um, brief thing about Melandra Burroughs uh, in, in preparation for today. I thought I'm going to go follow some of these people on Twitter so that I can uh, include them in some of the tweets I put out about Decapod. Go follow Melandra Burroughs. She follows zero people and has <laughs> 21 followers. <laughs> And, uh, and just retweeted that she won um, the the uh, the jungle thing. What's it called? Where you go to the I'm jungle? Celebrity. Yeah, and I didn't know that was a case. Is that real or is that false? Or what? Like the one that's just happened? Yeah, I think it said twenty twenty. It was twenty twenty one or twenty twenty. She definitely didn't win twenty twenty because I watched that one. I don't know. Maybe it's falsified. Maybe someone's created a false Melandra Burroughs <gasps> account. With Has zero she got a tick. Fo- oh, she won't have a tick for that many followers. No, is it following zero people and 21 followers. Mm. If we tag her on Decapod, that'll skyrocket. Yeah. And numbers will soar. Exactly. But uh, yes, Melandra Burroughs, possibly, possibly my first ever crush. Oh. I know we had Elsa Fisher and I know we had, um, what's her face? It was name I've forgotten from other one. But... Uh, Kathy Glover in Emmerdale, I, I adored for a long period. Oh. Um, speaking of Emmerdale, uh, we've also got the single greatest pop song from any superstar of all time, and that was uh, The Woolpackers with Hillbilly mm-hmm. Rock, Hillbilly Roll, which was in 96. Mm-hmm. Definitely disliked it. I, I, don't like, I don't like the show. So then. They, um, they had an album, which I didn't know, which was called <laughs> Emma Dance. <laughs> That feels like a command to me. Emma, dance. Um, <laughs> oh, bollocks. <laughs> um, Emma Dance was released in 96, but the only single was the Hillbilly Rock, Hillbilly Roll. And they followed that up the following year with the greatest line dancing party album. But I think they're responsible for line dancing really coming back in and people doing it more. Very possibly. I think... Our, I mean, clearly it's not the world's greatest song. Um, however, 
I think the reason why I found it so endearing at the time was because of the people in the band. It had like uh, one of the Dingles and Ned, and they were like proper Northern Yorkshire farmers. And I, I get that they're doing the hillbilly stuff, but it were like these guys are on top at Paul. This is cool. I just found that really endearing. So that was the mm. the Emmerdale bit. So a few honourable mentions. Um, maybe not honourable mention, but a few people I'm going to mention. You mentioned him before, Nick Berry, who was in EastEnders and indeed Heartbeat, whose album came out in 1992. Can you guess what it was called? Heartbeat. Nick Berry. Oh. <laughs> His first song was called Heartbeat, and then that was followed up by Long Live Love. Uh, Any thoughts on Nick Berry or his uh, tremendous singing abilities? Um, no, I do. I do remember that he was a proper heartthrob. He was like the the housewives' heartthrob, wasn't he? Throughout the nineties, and particularly in Heartbeat. Um, and I have mentioned on a previous episode. I have been, and I have I have seen Heartbeat being filmed, um, and seen Nick Berry in person. I'd wrote down here, don't mention, and I've forgotten why I put don't mention. <laughs> okay. Um, the other one I'm going to mention just briefly, uh, Will Meller, who was Jambo in Hollyoaks. Yeah, I'd written Will Meller down. Another one, um, going for the six-pack look. Again, I adored him as Jambo. That's all I have to say on it. I loved it. I loved that whole thing that he had Beryl the car um, that was a little mouse. And then I am classing this last one, and we'll get a little bit of mileage out of this last one. I am classing this last one as a soap. I'm going to say the name of the soap, and then you tell me who came from that. Biker Grove. Oh, Anton Deck or PJ Duncan. PJ and Duncan. With? Now, we have touched on PJ and Duncan. We may well have touched on PJ and Duncan at some point, um, but it was sort of the one specific song, and now we get to talk a little bit more about them in the 1990s. So they had four albums out in the 90s. Wow. I admittedly, thought it was just like one. No, admittedly, one was the greatest hits, but they still had four, so... One better than Sean Maguire, and they had three albums <laughs> followed by Greatest Hits rather than two albums followed by Greatest Hits. Can I have a go at... So, I've like, one is Psych. Yep. Is one Radio Rocks? No, that oh. was one of the songs on Psych. On Psych. No, you're going to have to tell me what the name of the other albums were then. Right, so Psych was in 94. The The next one was in 95 called Top Cats. Oh. Was it was Cats with a Z? With a K and a Z. <laughs> Like a double whammy of fucking shite. Um, the third one, I did not know existed. And I am going to make one recommendation to people now, and that is that you go and check out this album because it, it is the most surreal thing ever. <laughs> and the album is called, and I, annoyingly, I haven't wrote down the 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 the, um, uh, the year, but I'm guessing 97 based on the greatest hits come out in 99. It's called The Cult of Anton Deck. Oh. Oh, is that, is that them rebranding? Yep. So it must have been around about the time they rebranded, because I can remember them saying, you know, we're not called PJ Nook anymore, we're called Anton Deck. And it's the cult of Anton Deck. Now, I do not remember anything about this album. I do not remember listening to it. I did not know it was in existence. I have listened to it several times. And in some ways, <laughs> in some ways, it's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Retrospectively, at the time, I'd have switched it off. 
But looking back, it's absolute bonkers. It's like, I don't know what I'm, I can fully understand why it was our last album. Let me put it that way. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's, I don't know. You have Psych in 94, which is tonight I'm free. Why me? Mm-hmm. Let's get ready to rumble. If I give you my number, Eternal Love and our radio rocks. Yeah, if I give you my number, if I give you my number, will yeah. you call? Oh, you hate me singing now, don't you? It's like, I know when it's like, shut up, because it's like, yeah, stop singing. I don't think it's I hate you singing. It's just I think, do we need to sing now? <laughs> we'll leave that for a minute. I don't know. Either way, um, the second album was Top Cats in 95, which I stuck on you. Um, I was pausing there to see if there was something singing. No, then, that's why I wanted to sing before, because I know that's the only time I know the songs. I reckon there'll be one on here, you know. Uh, but anyway, the next one annoys me. You crazy cats, all with mm. K's. Uh, perfect. And Stepping Stone. Oh, yeah. Do you know Stepping Stone? I do. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just a stepping stone. I thought I'd press play uh, on Spotify that, again. Is that a cover? I no idea. Mm. Um, and then the cult of deck, which is all I have to do is dream. <laughs> Better watch out. When I fall in love, shout, falling, and reading my writing, I think, crazy. Mm, with a K? No, with a C, they've gone, they've gone kind of uh, more serious. Spell properly. Yeah, the, the serious songs there. I'm totally, I can't wait um, for tomorrow to go and check that out. I advise tonight. <laughs> Don't know it. If, if I'm giving people one recommendation, as we often do from these shows, it would be to go and check out the Cult of Anstec. It's not what you expect. I've probably given you a completely different idea with the way I've spoke about it, but it's just, oh, I don't know, very strange. Um, but, oh, great, go on then. Give us your thoughts on Anton Deck in the 90s. Well, as we know, it's the first album I ever purchased was um, Tyke, and it's something that I... It, I don't often say guilty pleasure because I don't believe in the term, but I think that's the closest one that I've got. Um, I could still put that album on and sort of know majority of the words, so to most of the songs. I've still got a massive fondness for it. I've got a massive fondness for them as well. Um, and But who would have thought that those two kids that brought out Sight go on to be two of the most powerful men in television? Yeah, uh, I I agree. You, you know, you look at that journey and look at where they are now. And again, they've aged really well. You know, yeah. they're probably a similar age to us, I'm guessing. Um, they've aged really well. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of wish they'd go and do one more album, just as like a bit of a joke. Even if it's just like three or four, or one song just now, I think that'd be quite cool. But I think it that first album site kind of, showed I don't know I think it summed up a lot of the that age group at the time and there was a lot of it's almost East 17 like in in that you know we want to be like this American culture it's kind of going down that road and it's the British version of it I think it it kind of summed up that and amuses me as well that they're putting some of the ballads in there, a couple of little ballads as well as the, the rappy ones. Well, the ballads, I can't remember them off the top of my head, but they're worth checking out because they have got some of the funniest rhymes and they take it, they always take it in turns as well to sing. And there's one point, there's one, I'll try and find it, where you'd almost go, 
Are you trying to wind? Are you trying to wind Ant up by putting a silly rhyme in uh, in response to like the kind of thing we would do to each other, like not take it seriously? Um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, they're they're just again as well, just coming from like that almost humble route of being on a kids' soap as well. Um, yeah, I think the other thing interesting with them is I never kind of blew up. It wasn't like an overnight success. No. It was step by step. You know, they, they just developed and developed and developed and got into the behemoth they are now. And I think they're the epitome that of that if you keep putting in that work and you're not afraid to sort of put yourself out there and do the things that other people might say no to, i.e., let's get ready to rumble and the cult of Atom Deck, if you're not afraid to do that. And also make changes like the, the thing from PJ and Duncan to, to Atom Deck, I think is... It's glossed over a lot. I think people take the mick out of it and whatnot, but it must be quite a big decision to make. You know, if you're... The success they had at the time was, you know, the name was PJ and Duncan. That's what they went by. But to actually come out and say, no, we want to be more serious now. We want to go on this route and call us this. I can imagine a lot of people saying, don't do that. And that must be quite a big decision. And I think that, um, yeah, it's quite impressed. Uh, I do just want to touch back on one thing you said. Um about guilty pleasures and about not you know not believing that I've got so many guilty pleasures. No, but I don't. I don't think you've just got pleasures. Oh no, I'm feel guilty about a lot of them. I, well, I think you need to put that guilt away. I don't think that should exist. Okay, we'll leave that there. Let's not unpack that on this show. That can be a bonus show, Patreon unpacking yeah. Terry's guilty pleasures. Let's do one on, and I'll put mine in inverted commas that other people might class as guilty. But yeah, I'm I'm down for that. I think that's actually oh, we've just had a little little idea like live on the show. There you go, Decapod podcast exclusive. Uh, sign up to Patreon, and at some point within the next four years, you'll get to hear the um guilty the guilty pleasures episode. Um, um, th- the only thing that's just occurred to me as you were sort of talking through like all the stuff they did, I tell you where they're genius. They grew, they pitched their stuff. They knew who their audience was. So they brought that first album out. And the reason why it, it appealed to, to girls like Emma going to buy it because they got songs in about how they want to be your girlfriend and things like that. So I'm loving that. And I'm listening to it like, oh my God, they want to be my boyfriend like that. And then then when they go through and then they rebrand as Ant and Deck, well, that's when they go on to SMTV. And then it's like, because, and I would have still liked them on that because I'm a teenager and they're being a little bit more anarchic, that kind of Saturday morning television. And when they go into sort of tea time, that's because we're getting on and we're sort of like packing our slippers and stuff like that. It's actually genius the way they've evolved. Yeah, they've kept the audience that's been with them from yeah. the start. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that was completely intentional, whether that was just them growing up and doing what they wanted to do, which coincided with us. Maybe. We'll have to ask them when we get them on. Anyway, that's that's um soap star slash pop star from the 1990s. Have you got anyone to add to that? Any other thoughts on that? No, I mean, if you can have I feel like you'll just end the recording if I say this, but I'm gonna say it anyway because it It kind of was a continuing drama of are we the same pet? So Jimmy Nail is like also someone that has kind of gone from that actor into, <laughs> into 
to pop star state. <laughs> uh, when I was talking about Prisoner Cell Block H, which ran for somewhat like uh, 400 episodes, and I said that was a soap, and you said it's not a soap. If you're having off me the same pet as a soap, I'm having Cell Block H a soap, and then I'm happy what? with that. I've got a confession to make. I did look it up and it is cat- it is listed as soap. I just didn't text you to tell you. <laughs> well, of course you didn't. Of course you didn't text me to tell me that. But seeing as that's officially listed as soap, no, you can't offer me the same pet as a soap. That's a drama enough. series. Mm, um, would you right. like to say anything about Jimmy Nail? No, I did. I was just trying to wind you up. Um, it slightly worked. Well done. Uh, anything else on, on, on what we've covered so far? No, it's no. So it was... far as if there's more. There's no more. <laughs> yeah, That's it. Like, I'm Ooh. done. Yes, I am. I'm tired out with the soap star pop stars. And if you've nothing to add for it, I'm going to ask you for two, uh, maybe three things. I'm going to ask you uh, what would you recommend people listen to? Who was your favorite soap star pop star of the '90s? And what was your favorite soap star pop star song of the '90s? If you look at the one that just has just done that transition perfectly stayed on brand and continually like had the the most success as as becoming a pop star it has to be kylie my favorite album is psych because it is the first album um that i ever bought but i think my favorite single um would probably be torn by nasim brulia and what would you recommend if people haven't heard it before? What do you recommend they go check out either as a, a collection or as a, an individual? I think they should go and check out the thing that I'm going to check out that I haven't heard, which is the Cult of Anton Deck, because it sounds amazing. It's weird. I probably overplayed it slightly. It's very weird. It's not <laughs> what you expect, especially the first one. That threw... Anyway, um, <laughs> all right, mine will be... I think I'm going to... I think my favourite song, out of all the ones we spoke about, and um, again, by favourite, probably the one I enjoy the most, the one that when it comes in the car, I do a little jig to every time and then I have to remember I'm driving, is probably Mona by Craig McClock, and it's the one that makes me bounce a bit. I think... <laughs> why? <laughs> that, 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 I'm not even going to ask. Right? Um, I am... Oh, I'm genuinely torn here. Um, oh. I don't know whether I want to say Natalie and Bruley or Kylie, because it's like Kylie's the ultimate. But I think I prefer the pre-90s and post-90s. Mm-hmm. So I think if we talk, again, obviously um, Natalie and Bruley only brought out one album during the 90s, but I think I probably preferred that overall. So I think that I would probably say Natalie and Bruley takes it for me, seconded by Danny Minogue and... Uh, <laughs> Oh, a little evil eyes, a little evil eyes. Um, yeah, but no, I think I think Natalie really would edit edge it on that. Um, and yeah, I don't think I, I struggle with albums a little bit sometimes because I'm I'm really fussy with my music in terms of I either like or I don't. There's no in between. So often when I find an album, I'll dislike most of it and I'll just like two or three songs. Uh, I think there's very very few albums that I listen all the way through. Um, if any. So, yeah, I don't think I could pick a favourite album, but it'd probably be uh, Natalie and Brulia and Mona. I don't ever buy albums. I only ever buy the greatest hits. I just use Spotify. I don't buy anything. <laughs> yeah, true. But even back when it was CDs, I loved the greatest hits. And then I could say, oh, they pretend to be a fan, <laughs> but I only know the hits. The... The the one that the only one that sticks to mind 
that I, I used to listen to, if not all the way through, almost all the way through, or maybe just skip one, would have been Welcome to the Neighbourhood by Meatloaf, which weirdly probably isn't his best album, but for me it's the most consistent throughout. I'll probably get shot down by some meatheads here, whatever the fans call themselves. Um, but, yeah, I think that that one, Welcome to the Neighbourhood, I can't think of any other that I don't skip tracks to. Maybe a couple of the cause albums, but you know, aside from that, mm-hmm. cool. Anything else you want to add on there? No, nothing. Cool. Have you made any notes? Enabled yourself to do some kind of final thoughts? Yes. Excellent. In which case, I will hand over to your good self to provide us with some final thoughts on soap star pop stars of the nineteen nineties. Okay, so that was the week that was soap stars turned pop stars of the 1990s. And we started with the the princess or indeed the queen of pop herself, Kylie, the person that kind of made it cool. She might not have been the first to do it, but she certainly made it cool. Reinventing herself throughout, um, wearing sexy glasses a long way, which we didn't mention, but I just want to throw it in there right now but she wasn't the only person that was coming over from australia joining her soon after was her beau jason donovan and her in soap brother craig mclaughlin with um, terry's standout track mona um some not so um, famous ones or not so successful ones being the the blakeney twins and then the younger sister of the princess herself danny but we will take some research to find out what has Danny Minogue been doing that got her onto um, X Factor as a judge. And then back over on our own soil, we've got Martin McCutcheon having a moment, Adam Ricketts flexing that six pack and Will Meller trying his best to sort of come up. We've got the Woolpackers bringing back line dancing for whatever reason known only to themselves. And then rounding it all off, we've also had Nick Berry and then the... Um, behemoths that started as PJ and Duncan and then went on to become Ant and Deck, the household favourites. That was the week that was Soap Star, Pope Star. Oh, Soap Star, Pope Stars. Soap Star, Pope Star. <laughs> oh, it was so good as well. That was the week that was Soap Star, Pop Stars of the 90s. I love that you think I'm going to edit that. I, I didn't even ask and no, you won't. <laughs> But I'll tell you what I have noticed, and it was only when you were talking at the end, that with our hats on, if we do this, we'll look a bit like Ant and Deck. I think he's more E17. Well, that's anticlimactic. <laughs> Welcome to Decapod. <laughs> Welcome to Decapod, where you get invited to shoot your lord. <laughs> Shot. Yes. Fuck's sake.